Hey guys, we're back. Birdie's not BS. Still in quarantine, but ready to talk some golf. So today we've got some fun topics about burnout, practice, junior golf, all kinds of things. So let's get it going. Um, what week is this of quarantine? Girl, um, it's day like it's, 52 it's like, or I think it's 51 or 52. Cause I, I don't know what <laughs> it is, but I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need some G and some alcohol soon. Cause this is foolish. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what day it is. I, I think it's like Thursday. I, I don't know. That's the problem. Monday, Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, they all feel the exact same day. <laughs> And we all, I, yes. I, I can't look at another IG account long enough. Like usually it's like swipe, 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 swipe. Now I'm like swipe, look, 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 swipe, look, look. Analyze. <laughs> I didn't know I had so many friends. I mean, what? how are you doing? Because you actually have seen the outside world. I haven't seen much of the outside <laughs> world. I've seen the two floors of my crib. So what, please give me an update. What's it like? Well, the weather in Phoenix is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful and perfect. I've been to the golf course uh, quite quite a bit. And uh, I'm so surprised with how many people are out playing golf. And I thought we all were supposed to be social distancing and keeping ourselves away from the no, course. No, there's a ton of people. I can't get a tea time. There's people all in the parking lot. What? I got to park away out at the end. But um, no, it is. It's just interesting, you know, being out and about. And, you know, yes, we're in quarantine. But golf, again, is one of those essential businesses here in Phoenix that people are taking advantage of. And it is good. People are being safe. But you know what? I thought this was going to be my time to have the course to myself and just kind of do my thing. But, you know, it's otherwise. You know, when you say course to yourself, that's when you like to go out and drop balls and try to hit shots and multiple shots Mm -hmm. from the fairway. Yeah, no, that's my favorite type of practice. Go like towards the end of the day. No one's out there. You can hit five balls on every, on every hole. All kinds of shots, all kind of chips, putts, everything. See, I'd love to do that. In the previous episode, that's why I called you bougie, because you can yeah. do that at country clubs. You can't do that at at uh, <laughs> uh, Quintero. You cannot do that. I mean, True you North, can. You they just might say oh, something Oh, somebody's going to say something. That's for damn sure. You have Tyler Wright roll up on you. <laughs> Baby froed out with a bad oh, birdie shirt on. So shot. What up? We're in it we're quarantined you're still out you're still practicing you're still playing how have you protected yourself and what things have you been kind of like conscious about because i hell even if i go to the grocery store i look like a like i got a hazmat suit on i know um i mean for me i just take my little wet wipes everywhere i wipe down the golf cart wipe down um yeah that's really it. I, I wipe down the golf cart and i take my hand sanitizer so Those things are luxuries yeah they are they really are. They're like gold right now. So I keep mine close to me. But anything I'm touching that other people are touching, I'm definitely just being conscious and wiping it down and just trying to stay clean. I'm, you know, leaving the pin in. You know what's going to be weird, though, is when we come back and you can take the pin out. I'm right. Not you're going to be, gonna, you know what I mean? be like, super used to having it in already. I've been playing two months with the pin in and just visually you get used to it. So I don't know. It'll be an adjustment. I don't know. Still two feet. Like... I'm, I'm imagining. I, I have I played golf. Yes, we played th- three, four weeks ago. God, that seems like forever ago. Mm-hmm. Time is flying. Again, all the days are a blur. So the thing that now we're talking about, you know, the adjustments from quarantine and Corona, and how we play golf differently, 
Do you think, you know, PGA Tour just announced their new schedule, their adjusted schedule, postponed, whatever's canceled, everything's pushed back a little bit. Do you think that the tour will also make these adjustments in terms of touching the pin um, and having, you know, there. No, I, I... whatever in the cup to try to avoid everyone touching the same thing? I mean, there's 144, 150 players. You still are going to have to be careful. Come on, Sha. First, let me, to your point, let me say this. When's the last time you as a professional touch the flag stick like in competition okay so okay Caddies there we go all right that's so we, we're not worried about the players as much as we worried about the loopers and the caddies shout out to wayne odrano but um i think the caddies are going to be the ones that really bear the brunt of 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 sanity or or not sanity i meant like sanitizing sanitizing yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> maybe sanity too. San- yeah all, all what, i don't know what word to use in this moment but let's just <laughs> stick there i feel like guys that do loop are gonna have sanitizers in their bags they're the ones that's gonna have an, another 30 pounds of of uh, uh protective equipment they're gonna be there's gonna be ppe out in the golf course this is this is what's gonna be in the golf bags <laughs> for for caddies and whatnot and i i honestly it's gonna be an adjustment uh the good news is this I've never said this before. The good news is there's gonna, not going to be many spectators out there. But mm-hmm. what people forget is the amount of volunteers it takes to run a freaking event. It's going to feel like spectators out there. There's going to be True. a lot of people. I wonder if they'll have rope. They probably won't have ropes. You know, there's nobody out there watching. Shouldn't anyway. need ropes. Just the people just out there chilling, walking around, kind of like you know, back in the old days of like the shell, the shell golf uh, challenges, uh, where people just walked up on the green and watched. But um, it's it's not going to be the same. And and that's what that's one thing I I really believe about you know not even just golf with everything. People keep talking about getting back to normal, getting back to normal. I don't think there's a normal that we're going to get. But there's going to be a new normal. Right, a new normal for sure. I can't wait to see the first player cough or sneeze on the range and see what happens. Everyone's going to give them the death stare. Yeah. Really, dude? Like you had the audacity to cough in front of me (laughs) right now? I ain't got no Mm mask. Will players wear masks, Shy? I mean, I don't want to call out a lot of the the international players, but, you know, in some cultures we do see a lot of masks being worn. Is that something you think might be adopted by players on the LPGA Tour? You know what? I could see it happening, especially... You, you don't know how long this corona is going to hang around, whether we are back to the new normal or not. Um, you know, we played a few events in India. I've played in India before on European tour, and the pollution was so bad. I think in China as well, pollution was so bad, players did play with face masks so they could protect their lungs and protect did themselves. Did you play with one? So with a, no, I didn't. I just had the nasty air all in just, my It's like smoking a pack lungs. of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, so with a virus like this affecting our everyday life, I could totally see people taking it to the golf course as well, even in competition. And I think too, even when fans are brought back to the golf courses, I don't think you will see as many fan interactions. I don't think you'll see players maybe letting people touch them, shaking hands, photos, signing autographs. Autographs are going to be weird, right? If they have, If a player has their right. own Sharpie, and they really don't have to touch or receive pins from the patrons and spectators. Maybe that, because I'm sure yeah. you know you've you've signed many autographs. Like it's, sometimes it might get weird grabbing a pin from a player, or excuse me, a, a patron. Yeah, and you don't know where people have been. You know, you see little kids or adults, and you want to shake their hand or high five. Right, people are dirty. I mean, and that sounds rude, but like no, it is rude. But you just you genuinely you want to be safe, and I do think that might be a new normal. Uh, looking forward to the future of how any any athlete is going to be interacting with fans.
Well, see, I think it's interesting you brought up the future, but I want to take take a step back and talk about the past a little bit and kind of go back into the, the yesteryear of being, you know, junior golfers and whatnot. Now, a lot of people out there don't know how you and I met. We met the Bill Dickey um, Invitational. I was a volunteer. I had played already and was gone on, and I didn't have enough money to give back to the organization, so I, I like, volunteered. Uh, and that's how uh, Cheyenne and I, I met. But um, I bring that up because I want to say how important it is that we do our, our part to make sure these junior golf organizations are sustained and, and the ones that are promoting golf at a high level. Um, I'm not a big fan of organizations that are just bringing kids to golf just to like learn the game and the values because you get the values through golf any goddamn way. Right. So um I'm about those organizations that are pushing players and getting people to college and getting people to school to play at a high level. Now, again, we met at the Bill Dickey Scholarship. Uh, well, back then it had like this long ass name. It was like Bill Dickey National Minority Collegiate Golf Scholarship. So this shit was so long. Like, and then it was like BDI. But uh, mm-hmm. what do you remember about those days and, and remember about Bill? One thing that was so special about the Bill Dickey Invitational was that it really was one of the only events that got all of us together to where we could compete, build relationships, network. Um, and to this day, still have relationships that are very, very important, especially in the golf industry. You know, yourself, um, you know, play, all of the players on PGA, LPGA, minority players, I've gone through BDI, uh, Bill Dickey. So just being able to build that network, I think is important. And um, I mean, you look at Harold Varner, Cameron Champ, Cheyenne Woods, Joseph Bramlett, Bramlett, Josh and Jeremiah Wooding, me, Willie Mack, Christian Heavens. um, Wow. PGA Professionals, Wyatt Worthington. You had uh, Maggie Noel. You had um, uh, Christine and uh, Mary Jane Fernandez. You know, those those girls were superstars. uh, Yeah. And I think it's important. It's important when you're playing a sport that is, you know, there's not a lot of black people in the sport, not a lot of minorities in the sport. It's so important to be able to have those platforms to bring everybody together, to have that common interest, to push each other, to continue the relationships moving forward. Cause you never know whether you're playing professional golf, you're working for PGA of America, you're teaching, you're still um, making an impact and can use those relationships. Um, and no matter no matter what you do. Yeah, now so you had a different relationship with Bill because Bill was here in Phoenix, right? You know, you've I, I imagine yeah. you played in all the East Wests and and those types of things back in back in the in the day. But um, you know, do you think Bill knew what he was doing as it relates to the network that he was creating um, f- for black golf and black and brown golf? Because you know, sometimes I, I think back and I, I love Bill Dickey. And I, I, I always say I wanted to, I wanted to be Bill Dickey when I was a kid. But do you think he knew that? this this butterfly effect of of a networking would be created and sustained through through year through the years i honestly don't know i like you said i did meet mr dickey when i was six years old you know um i got started in his local minority program here in phoenix uh then moved on to the bill dickey tournament uh once i was in high school um but in knowing mr dickey and what he did it was just so such a unique um act that he was doing and, and such a unique impact that he was able to have on the game of golf. And it's been such a domino effect of, you know, he's been, he's passed maybe 10 years, more than 10 years. Um, and so he's, his impact is still there, you know, and, um, 
you know, he was a very special man, especially in minority golf and just having the impact, a very positive impact, whether it be yeah. at the junior level, the collegiate level, and then pushing out players into the professional ranks. Yeah, but what pisses me off the most is you take a, a polarizing figure, a, an outspoken guy. Bill was not one to hold his tongue. He was very um, active in the boardrooms and different committees. He brought he brought uh, black golf, junior golf, minority golf. He brought it to the boardrooms. You had uh, companies that invested in, in us to, to bring. I mean, that tournament, Shy, one of the most important parts of that tournament is it was free. You know, my first time flying on an airplane was to go play in the Bill Dickey in 1999. Yes, I'm old. I mm-hmm. get it. But <laughs> 99. I know, right? I've been doing this a long time. But my, again, wow. the first year of the Bill Dickey was 1999. And that was the first time I played in it. But the point I want to make is back then, I felt there were more companies and and corporate involvement into growing the game of golf yes it was two years after tiger won the masters in 97 uh but there was so much jubilation and joy and people were galvanized to get to get minorities together and i feel like that fervor has been lost i feel like no one cares about you know the dugs and the cheyennes playing golf at a high level anymore yeah i know um I think even from a junior level, you don't see as many events like the Bill Dickey Invitational where, like you mentioned, your flight is taken care of, your hotel is taken care of, you get to play a championship-style golf course. No matter where you come from, what you look like, you get this opportunity to play at a high level against other junior golfers around the country. It's a huge opportunity for college coaches uh, to come and see you. Um, And then on the last night, you know, we don't even – we don't only do the golf and compete and build relationships, but we got a day at Disney World. Like, it's every kid's dream, yeah, absolutely. you know? So just the combination of that, you really don't see any opportunities for juniors like that anymore. You know, yeah, there it's, are it's many junior golf tours and programs that are very expensive to travel to, to play in. And I think that's really what limits golf from growing and, and juniors from getting that, um, equal experience and equal um, equal equal opportunities. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I want to make sure people understand. I love the AJGA. Like, the AJGA was around even back in the 90s when I was playing junior golf. So, yes, it's been around for a while. It's changed a lot. The AJGA has changed quite a lot. And it's it's, it's a little tougher now than I feel like it used to be. Uh, you have to earn stars, etc. But um, I do enjoy organizations like the AJGA. You know, they gave me a minority exemption into a few events when I was a junior to help me try to get some national notoriety. And I think it's a good time to say to those those parents of, of kids, you have to have your child playing in national events if you do want them to create a resume that's viable for college coaches. Um, it's hard to see a kid, and I'll use myself as an example, from Versailles, Kentucky, uh, and Versailles got the population twenty five thousand. Unless you're playing na- uh, national events, Cheyenne probably a bit different for you. Uh, I guess going back through the recruiting process and and being seen because you were in a major metropolitan area, um, but you have to play in those national events. I mean, that's that's where that's where the coaches are looking. Yeah, there's a lot of golfers in this country, a lot of junior golfers, and one way for you to stand out is to compete against the best of the best. Get your name on a leaderboard get some eyeballs on you, play somewhere near university where the coach might come out and watch you play. Um, that is definitely very important. And, and again, not many opportunities for those who may not be able to afford it, which is very difficult 
Um, I did grow up here in Phoenix where, you know, I'm Arizona State, huge university. I saw the coach come out to many, even just local events. I'm able to drive to LA, drive to San Diego to play in events out there. Um, but definitely as a junior golfer, it is so important to put yourself in those leaderboards and those fields so that you can get the eyeballs on you. Yeah. Shai, do you remember um, if you had any you know type of exemptions or assistance into those events? Because uh, for me, you know, it was so expensive for for my family and, and just the time, you know, both my parents worked. Um, but do you did you have any uh, help or assistance or outside, you know, influences when you were growing up? I would say the no outside influence or help. Um, I just had to play a very limited schedule, you know, where some kids are playing AJGA all summer. I would pick maybe one that I want to go to um, and play in that event. And, you know, I had the Junior Worlds out in San Diego every year. We drive there. Tiger Woods Foundation team helped provide, again, a spot, clothing, hotel for juniors on the team. Um, outside of that, there were other, like from Phoenix, qualifying for some team and we hop on a plane and you travel together and you kind of have to work it. You know, you got to find your opportunities and find your teams you can qualify for or scholarships you can qualify for and find a way because it is super, super expensive. I feel like a lot of parents don't get the credit that they deserve sometimes when they when they have a, a junior golfer or, or an up-and-coming player that, that shows you know, a lot of talent and ability because they get crafty, you know, they get, they get crafty, they get um, inventive with how they're going to support. Um, and I think people need to understand that when you are trying to vie for one of these scholarships, it's okay for you to email the coach. Now, players emailing the coach, they may not be able to respond with, you know, within a certain window of time, but a parent, a parent can get a response back from a coach. The coach is not going to say your kid's coming here, but they can say, hey, coach, we're going to be in this area. We'd love for you to stop by. Like, I feel like people forget that you can actually mm -hmm. communicate with, with college coaches. Right, and I think that's another very important point that you're making is you need to, yes, reach out and communicate, but you also really need to be aware of NCAA rules because you don't want to break them. You don't want to get yourself or your child in trouble. Um, but definitely you can reach out. You can send swing videos. You can, sw you can send updates. I always, whenever I was in a town, I would reach out and try to get a tour of campus, get a tour of the facility, show your face, make sure you, they have that name and face connection to where you can build a relationship and you're kind of on their radar. Um, That's a good one. So definitely, really yeah, wherever one. you're traveling, reach out to a local university, no matter if it's D1, D2, whatever, like show your face, you know, because it's just good to be on people's radar and you never know what, what's going to happen in the future. One thing I want to say that I wish I would have been more aware about, more astute about is I didn't know, I didn't think of school first. You know, back during the recruiting process or when I was trying to find a school to go to, I didn't think about the actual university and what it offered first. So what I would definitely like make sure that we advise, you know, up and coming players and parents is make sure you find the school that you like first. And hopefully they have golf, because if I could do it all over <laughs> again, I definitely would have found a school where I could have had some type of culinary background and still have been able to play golf because I love to cook. And that was I, I wanted to, you know, be an executive chef back you know, when yeah. I was younger, but I didn't know to look for a school that offered that. I just looked for where I could play golf. And then I right. fell into like a, a major in a bucket. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I'm a political yeah. science degree. Yay. How about that? 
Right. So <laughs> how was how was like when you were rec- being recruited? I mean, I know you ended up going to Wake. I mean, there had to be other schools uh, that you could have played for. How was your recruiting process uh, and making sure like, I mean, everything was good? Like, No, you're definitely right. And just pinpointing what are you looking for in a school? You know, is golf the number one priority? Is academics? Do you want to be in the, a specific business school or a journalism school? Um, definitely important to be able to map that out for me i mean golf was number one priority i wanted to go to a school that i could play championship level golf and was going to prepare me for the next level um but on top of that what also was important to me was somewhere that you know i could get a great degree from wake forest had you know such a great academic um background and you know wake forest is hard or what? It's wait, yes. Shit, wait for it. It's hard that's as hell. A, that's a hard ass. Go- that's, that's a school Man. right there. You went to a school school. <laughs> yeah, a school school. And no, on top of that though, also I wanted, I wanted the college experience. And although Wake is a very small school, um, they have a very competitive athletic program. I wanted to go to football games. I wanted to go to basketball games. I wanted to be around other athletes that are going to the next level. Mm. Um, so that was something really important to me. And, and Wake just kind of encompassed it all. And um, it was a good fit for me, although it took an adjustment. And as always, we get technical in our last part of our show. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about burnout something that you gotta look out for and gotta avoid so let's go now one thing that i know a lot of us have in common and maybe have experienced or have seen is burnout i know growing up i've seen junior golfers who excelled at a certain level and they just kind of disappeared you wonder what happened to them i've experienced burnout it's something that's it's hard and no matter what sport you're playing or even whatever passion you have you kind of have to be careful with bordering that line of giving everything that you have Hell and yeah. also burning out and falling out of love see the thing about burnout for me is burnout's like uh it's like eating sweets every day every meal or eating mcdonald's three times i don't a see day. anything bad with sweets i'm saying but if you ate sweets for breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> at some point you're gonna be like f yeah. f this candy bar f these chocolates right or eating mcdonald's every day for three meals a day no offense to mcdonald's not trying to call you out but there was a show where a person did gain weight and had considerable uh, health effects, right? right? So I feel like golf or any anything that you do consistently or anything you want to be good at, you have to do it in moderation to some degree. Meaning, you can't just hit balls for twelve hours a day. Like you can, you can, but if you you know, I always told myself if I can't focus on my shot at hand fully, then I should just leave the golf course. Yeah. In my opinion, every shot needs a certain level of attention, a certain level of like love and care. Like I, I don't know how you visualize your pre-shot, but the way I do it is exhausting. You know, I find that my start line, I find my down line, I found, I find, you know, um, what cloud in the sky I want to hit it mm-hmm. over or under. That's like really what I think about before I hit a shot. So eight hours of that in a day, I'm done. I can't do that shit for eight hours a day. Like you know, so knowing yeah. like where to stop i feel like when you're practicing yeah i don't know (laughs) (laughs) like how do you even i mean no but but i know exactly what you mean and and from my experience i would say there's a fine line between pushing through a tough practice and maybe you don't want to be there but 
that's a mental grind of you just kind of working hard. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to come back from that and truly enjoy the process of the progress and truly enjoy you getting better. If you come back from practice or you're at the golf course and you don't even, you don't even, you don't want to be there. You don't want to get better. You're not enjoying the process. And so I think that's kind of where you burn out because you're not, you're not having fun in the bigger picture of things of accomplishing your goals. See, I never liked that notion of grinding. And I think even Rotella speaks about it in one of his books. Whenever I felt like I got to a point in my practice where I had to grind, that's when I knew I had to kind of be aware of what I was doing because I could actually be getting worse at that point. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it shouldn't feel like a grind. You right. should be in the flow. You should be enjoying it. You should just be kind of yeah, like in that. the process. Flow. I like how you like, like, have, have a flow. Yeah. Like, that's perfect. If it does feel like flow a grind. Flow versus grind. Yeah. yeah. See, we know, that's patented here on Birdies Not BS. That is all birdies. I love that. Because you're right. I mean, a grind feels like you're fighting something. And you're working. You're working. And you're lifting. You're, you're, you yeah. Know, you're putting. working against yourself almost. Exactly. You're grinding. Whereas when you flow, which is exactly how you want to feel in the golf course where everything is a flow you don't want to be fighting any no. internal things or external things you want to be in the flow of loving where you are what you're doing working at it um and being in the moment and just yeah getting it done you know it's funny i asked uh, a couple years ago i was playing down in J the jamaican open i was paired with taylor funk which is um fred funk's son fred funk was caddying and i asked fred i said fred you know, give me give me some advice on like how to practice like a tour player. Like, give me some just advice. I want to get better. I want to play. Blah blah. Fred said something very interesting. He said, "The law of diminishing returns." And I, again, it took me a while to stop thinking about. It. I was like, yeah, law of diminishing returns. All right, Fred, that's cool. What the hell's that? You know. But the point is, at some point, you know, at some point, you can you can only put your your full effort in for for so long before there's the backside of the bell curve. Right. To where you're actually getting worse doing the same thing that you've been doing to get better. So I think that was really, really interesting to me was like he's like, know that, you know, when you're on a range that at some point you got to leave the range because you're going to start getting worse. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be mentally tired, physically tired to where bad habits start to creep in and you have to be aware of that. So that's why it's so important to have different types of practice hit, you know, five wedge shots then go hit five, seven irons and mix it up keep it interesting, go chip and putt. I don't know. Do something. <laughs> I'm just talking. That's fine. <laughs> Do but something to where you're mixing it up and you're not just beating balls with no purpose. Vary your practice. Hey, Cheyenne, as always, it's such a, it's so fun just getting to talk to you. I know we've been doing <laughs> most of these conversations via Zoom or Skype or Squadcast, whatever the hell this thing's called. But as always, I enjoy our time together. Guys, birdies not BS. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know how to get to us. And Sha will tell you the URL. Birdiesnotbs.com. And we're always reading your questions. So send them in and we'll see you. You won't see us, but we'll, <laughs> you got it. you'll yes. hear us you finally next nailed week. It. And don't forget to leave those <laughs> reviews. Those reviews are critical to us. We need five of them stars if you be so kind. And we'll talk to y'all next week.